powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you, everyone. Please. Thank you. Sit. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before I want to get into this episode, though, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Johanna Sigmund. The episode was a hit, and I am incredibly grateful that I got to speak with Johanna. The book is amazing. If you haven't pre-ordered it yet, I encourage you to do so. Also, if you haven't listened to the interview, I strongly encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this episode. All right, so welcome to episode 127. We have a great episode lined up for you today. We have on the show Emmy award-winning voice actor Daniel Ross. Daniel will be talking about the amazing highs in his career from how he got started in voice acting to landing roles in video games, the Transformers, and being one of the few actors to ever land the prestigious role of Disney's Donald Duck, for which he recently won the Emmy for. You'll be able to tell him right out of the gate that Daniel was one of the most fun guests to talk to. So let's just get him on out of here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from Los Angeles, California, acclaimed voiceover actor, Daniel Ross. <laughs> Daniel, hello. Welcome to the Dark Duval Show. How is the weather out by you today? It's very cold. <laughs> it's it's pretty chilly out. It's pretty chilly out, not going to lie. So I start my interviews off the same way, and that is, how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world up to this point? Oh, man, it has been a wild ride for sure. Um, you know, a lot of uh, friends lost and a lot of uh, changes and a lot of uh, emotions. Uh, I would say for the industry as a whole, um, you know, Hollywood shut down for a while because we couldn't do on-camera stuff. We couldn't meet in person. There was a lockdown. And so a lot of stand-up comedians, on-camera performers were flooding into voiceover because it was one aspect of the industry that was fairly resilient. Uh, so it's it's been interesting adapting to that um, and to the accessibility of uh, uh, being a voice actor these days. Uh, you can do it just about anywhere. Uh, but for the things that uh, I wanted to do, I had to be here in L.A. So uh, there's some caveats there. <laughs> Makes sense. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? What was it like to grow up there? Well, back in my day, let's see, I was uh, born in Washington, D.C. back in 1980. And uh, yeah, I lived on the East Coast in Maryland for most of my life. I'm kind of a suburb guy. I like a little bit of country and uh, I like weather. Uh, which they don't really get out here in California. See, back east, we have all the seasons and usually extremes thereof. Out here, it's the seasons are earthquake, uh, wildfire, uh, pumpkin spice, and coyote. That's th Those are the seasons we have here. So I miss uh, that aspect of the East Coast. But yeah, I, I grew up out there and, uh, uh, you know, I had a silly 
childhood, I sat in front of the TV and watched Saturday morning cartoons with a big bowl of cereal like everybody else and imitated all my favorite characters. <laughs> uh, and that kind of was my superpower. I didn't realize that I was a voice actor back then, but I was imitating everything and even impersonating people I knew or my teachers or my parents to get out of school. So I got into some mischief. Yes, there were prank phone calls in there, too. Yeah, I that's kind of where I started everything. And it wasn't until later in life that I realized, hey, this superpower, we could use it for good. We could use it for purposes of good. Let's give that a shot and see what happens. And here we are. So at what point in your life did you decide that, you know what, I want to get into acting? Right from an early age, I... You know, my family dynamic uh, was was such that I just really enjoyed getting their attention. And so I was a class clown in school. And, uh, you know, then I learned about, you know, plays and musicals. And I got into theater and I really loved it. I loved the escapism of it. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was so creative and inspiring to me. Uh, my mom, uh, who I lost this year, unfortunately, to cancer, uh, she was an artist as well. She would create just about everything under the sun. And I would come home from school and there would be the smell of fresh ceramics in the room. And I knew that there was something really cool around the corner waiting to be discovered. So uh, my creativity was was fed uh, by her uh, as the facet of uh, creativity. Mine was the performing arts. So I got into that later on into film and TV and then to producing uh, my own content. So I made some schlocky independent horror comedies, uh, starting with Ninjas versus Zombies, and we did a couple of those. Uh, and then a big hard pivot to voice acting. Nice. So how hard was it for you to break into the business? It's not easy. And I, I kind of, I, I made a calculated risk when I came out here, because again, my focus was on camera and, you know, film production and movies. And I figured if I came out to Los Angeles and tried to, you know, knock on the front door, Maybe I wouldn't get any attention, but maybe I could climb in the window. And voice acting happened to be the thing that popped into my head. Well, maybe I can get my foot in that way, leveraging what I think I'm good at. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it was the right gamble, mm. to say the least. I do want to ask you about your first film role, because it's in one of the most underrated comedies, in my opinion, of all time. And predates Obama, which is Chris Rock's head of state. <laughs> do you do you have any favorite memories from working on that film? Because it is such it has become such a cult classic that it's incredible. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was the first big thing that I had ever worked on. The first time that I had seen, you know, a film production crew uh, in action and all the big trucks and all the big lighting apparatuses. And I mean, it was such a major production. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, yeah, Head of State was the first one. I remember uh, there was a scene that got cut from the movie and didn't even make it to the deleted scenes on the DVD. I was very disappointed because I was in it. And I got stunt pay on the day because there was a moment where the uh, antagonist of the movie is running through a hotel lobby and he knocks into me and I throw flail some papers. And, uh, you know, Chris Rock is directing this one. And so... I think he was frustrated at something that was going on because he he goes to this guy next to me and he's like, great job. He comes to this other guy right next to me and he goes, all right. And he comes to me and he goes, Aah. and I'm like, oh, gosh. Thank you, Mr. Rock. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
for this interaction. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like he was being silly and I'm all about it. So that didn't make it into the movie. That was probably my best memory from from Adam State. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. That right, meeting so Bernie Mac. He was awesome. Bernie Mac was cool. Yeah, he just looks kind of cool. No, he was really cool and very generous with his time with all the That's people awesome. that wanted to talk to him. That's awesome. So I've had acclaimed voiceover actor Jim Meskimen on the show. A few ah, weeks yes. ago. He was talking about the art of voiceover and impressions. What about voiceover work is so attractive to you? I think uh, there are many less limitations on the performer. You know, it's not about what you look like or your physical mannerisms. It's about the character that you can bring to life and how you can spark the imagination of the people that are watching whatever content you're putting into that. Uh, for me as a performer, I love being able to stir emotion in others. When I was a kid and I would go to the movie theaters, you know, going to the same movie theater, the same seat in front of the same, you know, uh, big silver screen and be transported somewhere or feel emotions that I had never felt or experienced before, places I might never see in my life. That to me was magic. And so I always wanted to be a part of that magic and giving that to other people. And so voice acting, I just, I really fell into it. I, I had no idea it was really even a thing until uh, probably the mid nineties when I was watching uh, Beast Wars Transformers. I don't know if you can tell by the video here, you all are getting audio. I collect Transformers. I have lots of them around me. Uh, and uh, Beast Wars was the first time I looked at the credits to say, hey, there's a voice behind that. Who is that person? And as soon as I started, you know, uh, connecting the dots and learning who the people were and actually meeting them at different conventions, I felt like I found my people. I found like I found my tribe. Strange, uh, amazing individuals who are humble and love what they do and are quirky and creative. Uh, right up my alley. So that was part of why I decided to go in that direction. I was going to ask this question a little later on, but I'll just bump it to now. And that is, of all the people in this industry that will do voiceover work, who are your voiceover idols? Oh, my goodness. There are too many to name. I would say before I moved to L.A., before I got to meet a lot of the amazing people that are out here, I, you know, Frank Welker uh, is a living legend. Um, I... <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I mean, if I had the opportunity to meet Mel Blanc, June Foray, uh, Dawes Butler, Clarence Ducky Nash, I mean, uh, th those would have been uh, amazing. But that was before my time. Uh, as I've moved here and uh, as I've learned some of the individuals, some of my mentors and, and best friends, Debbie Derryberry, the voice of Jimmy Neutron, David Sobolov, uh, who voices Gorilla Grodd on The Flash, uh, amazing Meisner trained actor and just a wonderful human being. Uh, th there are lots of people that I have the privilege to be able to call my friends and colleagues out here. And it's just uh, it tickles me all the time when I think about it. Like <laughs> I'm here in Hollywood and I'm with these amazing people. This is kind of cool. That's awesome. I remember it was 2003. I was in my first time I was in uh, one of the San Diego Comic Cons and Mark Hamill was shooting a film out there. It was his only directorial credit he has to his name. It was called Comic Book the Movie. And it was starring him and every voiceover actor who has made it basically in the business. Jess Harnell, Maurice LaMarche, uh, Rob Paulson. You, I, I mean, for, uh, what's his name? Kevin, the late Kevin Conroy. I mean, everybody was in this one room. They were all in all age. And in between Mark Hamill setting up the shots, you had Jess Harnell on his guitar singing Beatles tracks, keeping the 
keeping the crowd pumped and what have you. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I remember, and I don't really do the whole, you know, tweeting celebrities thing, but I tweeted uh, Mark Hamill about it. And it led into this whole uh, tweet chain of his about the great times he had making the movie and again, to hang out with his friends and all that. And it was one of the greatest, probably in the top 10, probably greatest moments of my life. And I got to meet Maurice LaMarche, who was a huge idol of mine. And of course, I mean, I got to meet Mark Hamill. Who, who would want to meet Mark Hamill? But uh, yeah, it was just—it was a really great experience, a great time in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, so you know, I mean, voice actors in particular. I mean, this is not disparaging of any other, you know, on camera or otherwise. But I've—I've I've just found in my experience, voice actors are some of the most fun people. You'll—you'll you'll hang around, especially if you get them together. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Then it's like an explosion of awesomeness, uh, just so much energy, uh, which is often, I think, why we do solo reads these days where we're in the booth by ourselves, because then we get the job done. If you get everybody in the room together, uh, it might take a while. <laughs> herding cats, I think, is what is what I've heard. Herding cats. That's lovely. So how did an audition to do the voice of Donald Duck come around? Um, I had an agent, uh, at the time I was represented by solid talent and, uh, my agent's name was Michaela Hicks and, uh, she gave me my first opportunity here in Hollywood. I sent a demo and, uh, you know, went in to read for her and she brought me on, you know, provisionally. And we started booking left and right. We were booking things on Netflix, you know, leading roles on animated shows, uh, lucky the leprechaun and then Donald Duck crossed our path. And I was like, no way. Because she messaged me and says, you do the voice, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah I kind of, you know, <laughs> I've been doing it my whole life. By the way, my mom taught me the voice when I was three years old for your uh, listeners. And we were just talking about her and her creativity and how she influenced me. Uh, she influenced me a lot. So she taught me that voice. And uh, yeah, she uh, she was a big part of that. So um, yeah, I, I, I got the audition. I'm excited. And they wanted Clarence Nash. They wanted that sound. And so I went back and started watching, you know, 80 years plus of Donald Duck content to try to listen to the different isms and how he would respond. Because before, for me, it was just an impression that I did to make friends laugh or to, you know, make kids smile. So to make it absolutely Donald Duck, that was my goal. I did the best I could. I sent it in. A month later, I got a call back to actually go to Disney to read for them and i'm still at this point a brand new voice actor in the los angeles area i've been here just over a year so i was still fresh and new and disney is calling me and i'm just like <laughs> i'm smiling from ear to ear it's one of the best experiences you could have i go in i do my thing there's celebrities there there's other voice actors and i get in the room and it's like 20 people behind the glass and little old me and the other side of the booth and, you know we're going through a script and they asked me specific questions like can you say the word ridiculous ridiculous okay great great could you say this word could you say that word and i said could i offer a suggestion and they said sure what do you what do you got and i said what about and a bunch of heads uh, got up and started nodding uh, profusely in the other side of the room. And I figured, all right, I did something OK. Um, another call back, another call back. And then we got it. And uh, that phone call to Mama Duck, my mom, was one of the best moments of my life. Just to say, hey, we got it. We got it. It happened. It's happening. <laughs> 
you know, after securing the role, I read that you are the only the third person to have voiced Donald Duck. When I say that, how does that make you feel? It's it's strange because it's mostly true. There have been some other people who have voiced Donald for like different content and things. But in terms of movies or film, like TV shows, there's only been three of us. Uh, Clarence Ducky Nash, Tony Anselmo and myself. Tony still does the voice uh, and and probably will for many years to come. I was brought in for specific projects, starting with Mickey and the Roads to Racers. Um, so, yeah, he's still doing the voice to this day. So there's two of us. Um, but uh, yeah, only three in 88 years. That's it's it's strange to think about that. <laughs> Your performance of Don Duck widely celebrated, culminating with a children's and family Emmy Award for Outstanding Performance in a Preschool Animated Program. That's a lot to say off the top. Of it. That's I love it. See, what were your thoughts when you found out you were nominated? <laughs> you want to know my real thoughts? I it was uh, December first, and I had it in my head that I was going to sleep in that day, and so I was very agitated when my phone was blowing up, and I'm like, I'm trying to sleep here. Uh, my phone's blowing up, and I'm going to see what's happening because it's just going crazy. I see a text message from my good friend Bob Bergen, the voice of Porky Pig who congratulated me for Miami nomination. And I, I was still in like half asleep mode. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's nice, Bob. Okay, on to the next one, on to the next one. And eventually I'm like, wait a minute, you know, slap myself awake. Is this real life? Um, that was nuts. That was absolutely nuts. Because for me, uh, the whole process of submitting the, for the Emmy was to honor my mom. Um. Mickey and Minnie Wish Upon a Christmas was the last thing that she and I saw together uh, before she passed. And it was significant for the both of us because she was there from the beginning when she taught me the voice to the phone call where we got it all the way through my final performance in that and our final viewing together. So I submitted for the Emmy on a whim and to have that recognition from my peers and to, again, honor her memory and her legacy through me uh has been very gratifying and i'm just incredibly grateful for that opportunity just that just the nomination i didn't care about anything else we happen to win uh, that's a whole other uh cornucopia of emotion right there but uh uh all in all just to be able to tell her story talk about this and the special meaning that it had in my life that really to me is is true disney magic i would say Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Daniel Ross. May I suggest you take that time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths. You know, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of the show, and we will be right back. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time, I can't understand I why. This, this, voice is, this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are mondo, some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro. 
the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duvall Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey there, this is Frankie Ray, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. My latest single, Over Now, is available on all streaming platforms. Hope you like it. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy, it is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey there, this is Frankie Sparks. And this is Scott Eisenberg. We're married. And we have a podcast called Shoot the Flick. Every week, Scott and I introduce each other to a new movie the other one has never seen. We talk about it, give our thoughts on it, and also share some behind-the-scenes fun facts. We want you guys to come along and enjoy the movies with us. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick, and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Come and listen to us now as Frankie and I shoot shoot the flick. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP, 600 Miles, on all streaming platforms right now. It's hard to hear a heartbreak 600 miles away. I still go.
Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 127 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with Emmy award-winning voiceover actor Daniel Ross. You know, it's amazing. I've seen your win, and I watched your acceptance speech. And it's, it must have been one of those moments, like, you know, they say, like, your 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 wedding day or your birthday. It's like, it just it's a blur. Um, <laughs> when your name was announced and you went up to collect that Emmy, what was going through your mind? Or do you do you remember it at all? I, I do. I do, yeah. because I was, I mean, look, if you're nominated for something, of course, secretly, you're going to be saying, I want to win it. I want to win it. But in this case, like I was saying to you before, it just had so much emotional significance for me to simply be there, to simply be in that room and be nominated alongside such incredibly talented individuals, uh, you know, people who are performing on Broadway. And I'm up there with them. I was just so grateful to be in that room. But as the moment progressed, I I kind of hung my head down because I, I wanted to get through the moment. I was so anxious um because i was ready to lose i was ready to hear somebody else's name and accept graciously and you know have a quiet evening uh with my mom's memory and enjoying that moment that was what the plan was <laughs> that's not quite what happened and they called my name and uh, i didn't believe it for a second and everyone's looking at me and i went oh wait yes okay all right i guess uh, we're walking to the stage now <laughs> one foot in front of the other daniel one foot in front of the other don't trip um don't be that guy <laughs> that's awesome all right so you mentioned earlier sitting down on saturday saturday morning cartoons i checked your filmography you've portrayed one of the evil transformers in several video games taking over Chris Collins' iconic role as Starscream. Now, like I said, I'm sure like Donald the Duck, the fan base would be unforgiving if the portrayal didn't live up to their standards. How hard is it for you to take on a role like that? Oh, man, Starscream was the, the first major big joy in my life in the voiceover realm because that was my first big gig. I, I uh, uh, you know, put myself out there for the Transformers world to say, hey, I'd love to be a voice in, in the movie. Can I just like to audition for the movie? So I created a comic book along with a bunch of my friends, excuse me, in the voiceover world to uh, send to Steven Spielberg and Michael Bay to say, hey, give me a shot. I don't have a fancy agent, but you know, this is uh, this is awesome. I'd love to marry my hobby with my passion. Um, and I got an audition and that was amazing. Activision called me up later and said, we'd like you to audition for uh, Starscream and a couple others. And I said, sure. OK, awesome. So we did Starscream and they said, you booked it and you're going to be the lead villain for this this uh, this game. And uh, so we had a certain voice in mind that we were going to use. And it was intentionally to scare little kids. They wanted something very scary. So I went with something that sounded like this. <laughs> Starscream. And they were like, okay, that's what we want. Great. Awesome. 
We show up on the day um, uh, 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 and our director says, uh, Daniel, we just want a light British accent. And I said, you, you want me to sound like this? This is what Starscream sounds like. Yes, that's perfect. That's what we want. And I was thinking of the bands and I'm like, ah, that's not going to fly. Please don't fire me. But no. Uh, and they said, all right, what you got? And the decision had to be like that. And it was Decepticons. This is Starscream. Make for the rendezvous point. The all spark will soon be ours. <laughs> and that's what we went with. And I'm like, okay, I'm 75% certain the fans won't kill me. Um, <laughs> 75%. And so uh, it's it's been 15 years now since Transformers the game came out and I'm being approached by fans who grew up with the game and that was their that was the game in their moment of their life where something you know big happened or something transformational happened or even something not so great happened but they remember that game and uh, you know hearing from the fans and now them realizing this is this guy does donald duck too he does lucky the leprechaun he does gizmo this is kind of cool <laughs> you know that's amazing so when i told some fans that you're going to be on the show and obviously when they went back through they want to look at some stuff there is one question they look at your age and you brought it up earlier but you were born in 1980 being a Transformers fan, one of the fans wrote in and wanted to know how traumatized were you by tra Transformers the movie? Oh, I, I, 100%. Uh, it is a part of the fabric of my being and, and the reason, uh, you know, I have trauma in my life. Thank you, Transformers <laughs> the movie. Uh, sorry, the Transformers the movie. Uh, yeah, that was, okay, let me frame this up for you. The Transformers the movie in 1986, August 6th, 1986 was the very first movie I ever went to see in theaters because I liked Transformers. My dad was going to take me for my first movie. My birthday is August 4th, so it came out on the 6th. So that was my birthday present to go see that movie. And uh, uh, this is the smile I had going into it. And I think it was erased <laughs> by the time I left. Um, but uh, that was that was I mean, again, the very first movie I ever saw for whatever I am as a performer. That's at the very root of how I became what I am. So it had a huge impact on me and uh, in the best ways and, and the worst ways. I still can't believe that it's Orson Welles' final screen appearance. It's That's crazy right. to say that out loud. But yeah. That's right. Yeah. He was so, a planet that ate other planets. He was a planet that ate other planets, yeah. <laughs> so um, I do want to talk, again, the fans wanted to ask one more question. That was um, Lucky the Leprechaun for Lucky Charms. Um, how did that come about? Because for the last two days, people have been sending me the clip from Wayne's World, them doing I'm the Leprechaun and all that, just in preparation for meeting you and what have you. And I thought that was funny. How did that audition, how did that role come about for you? So I, really out of nowhere, I got the commercial for Lucky Charms. I always loved Lucky Charms. I mean, I I, I would I would pull out every single marshmallow and I would take those marshmallows and I would mush them into a ball and eat the ball of marshmallows. And afterwards, it looked like I murdered a unicorn because of all the colors on my hands. <laughs> it was an amazing experience. I loved Lucky Charms. So when I saw the audition, this was a, still around the beginning of my workings with my new agency. So I was really gung ho really just like responding to everything, trying everything that they were sending. And so Lucky the Leprechaun came about and they were looking for someone who sounded like Doug Prees, uh, who I think was voice number two or voice number three. Arthur Anderson was the first voice 
of Lucky the Leprechaun. There's been, I think, like 10 or 12 of us at this point. There's been many voices of Lucky the Leprechaun. I voiced him from 2015 to 2017. Uh, but yeah, they wanted Doug Prees. They're magically delicious. You know, he had a much softer tone to his voice, kind of soothing almost. And so uh, that's what I was doing for my series of commercials. Um, interestingly enough, Lucky came about at a pivotal moment when I was making a life, a big life decision. I was uh, working at Target. I was an overnight manager, uh, you know, working all the trucks coming in, the freight going out, 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. every single day. It was a really hard job, but it gave me my days free to audition and network and do those things. So, you know, I endured that kind of job for a long time. Uh, when I decided to stop and I decided voiceover was the thing I was going to be leaning into, uh, after working at uh, Target for 10 years, I, I quit and uh, I'm driving off the parking lot freshly, you know, off of payroll and health benefits and wondering if my life will ever be the same. <laughs> and I get the call from my agent saying, you booked Lucky the Leprechaun. And I said, I got lucky. And I had to stop and really say, oh, yeah, I, I am feeling very lucky. <laughs> I got lucky. Holy crap, I got lucky. I was leaning into my intuition saying, this is the time, this is the moment to move on and start going into this world. And I got a response saying, uh, you're absolutely right. So lucky meant a lot to me in that respect. That's amazing. I want to take it a little serious here. And that is, Daniel, what is your process for, you know, starting out with an impression and a voice? How long does it take you to mold it? Where does the inspiration come from to do it? Um, the inspiration is always out of something silly that I hear or something that hit, that, you know, tickles my ear a certain way. Um, I'll give you an example of something. When I was working on the movie, Something the Lord Made with Alan Rickman at most deaf, uh, I was a stand-in for this. And there was a scene where Alan Rickman, with his very heavy British voice, is speaking in a southern accent and writing in Latin on a chalkboard. And he's writing, no, lay, tag, away. And it just, he couldn't get it to sound right. And so we're doing take after take and wiping off the chalkboard. And he's getting frustrated to the point he gets up to the chalkboard and says, no, lay, tag, away. And all of us in the, I mean, my stand-ins and I, we were cracking up. And it's like those little moments where something just kind of tickles the ear, that whole, no, lay, tag, away. That was the thing we made fun of him with when we were on set. And he did catch me, by the way making fun of him that was a very interesting moment um <laughs> but yeah i'll hear something on tv or i'll hear something that just catches my ear and i lean into it and if it's funny that's usually a a winning thing or something silly or outlandish i like to say chaotic good uh that's usually what grabs my attention and sometimes i lean into it if i know that i have those capabilities i'll lean into it uh as an example d bradley baker who does the amazing frog lady on The Mandalorian. Uh, I was watching The Mandalorian and I'm listening to his amazing performance. And I'm like, I think he's doing an inhalation. Oh yeah, okay, that's comfortable for me to do. Let me try it, let me play with it. Okay, cool, awesome. Thank you, D. Bradley Baker. So you never know what you might hear and connect and say, oh, that too. And then that goes in my pocket if I ever you know, need to talk in frog. That's amazing. Do you have like an audition? I mean, do you have like a, a highlight reel or a demo reel that you send to, you know, production studios or something like that? Yes, I do have uh, demos uh, produced for me. 
Um, I have an animation demo, video game demo, promo and commercial. Um, probably going to be working on a creature voices one at some point soon. Um, yeah, those are just, uh, you know, tools of the trade that I have to be able to send to people or have them listen to a, you know, a snippet of, of my work. So uh, one last question before we get into uh, the final phase, and that is, are there anybody out there right now with a voice of a work or actual films or television, who would be your dream collaboration? Who would you love to work with the most? Oh, man. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, you mentioned Mark Hamill before. I would love to work with Mark Hamill. Oh, my gosh. That would be an absolute dream come true. Uh, you know, in terms of collaboration, I just think, man, I think of my friends uh, back in Mexico from Anima Studios, so many amazing artists and character designers. I I've really been of the mindset that I should be pitching projects, and I just meet so many talented individuals, and, and I and I want to showcase their work, and I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's something I could help with. I, I There's really nobody that I'd love to... I mean, maybe James Cameron, just so he could yell at me. Maybe Tim Burton. <laughs> Tim Burton would be kind of amazing. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, I, I would love to work with Ryan Coogler. Uh, I mean, Spielberg. Uh, any any, any amazing filmmaker will do. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do the convention circuits? Do you, do you go around, meet fans? Do you sign autographs, stuff like that? I do. Whenever I'm invited, uh, I love to go to conventions. I love to meet uh, uh, fans and people who uh, appreciate the work. These days, a lot of people recognize me from TikTok, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> but uh, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. It's great to meet people and hear their stories and, you know, share a little bit of our lives with each other because, you know, mostly it's the work that they see. And I, I like for people to get to know the real me and... Uh, uh, spend some time, hang out, have some fun, make a few laughs, make a few memories. Nice. So that being said, what is next for Daniel? Oh man, what's next? Probably dinner. Um, <laughs> I think uh, for me, uh, I never anticipated winning an Emmy. That just doesn't compute in my brain. So, uh, you know, I have to consider what, what the, what the options are moving forward. I intend to continue in voiceover. I've been doing a lot of video games this year. Uh, I'm in Diablo Immortal. I'm in Genshin Impact. Uh, you can hear me in, uh, let's see, uh, Mickey Mouse Funhouse. I play a couple fun characters. Uh, Zoop Bloop and uh, Fred the, the Cyclops. Those are really fun. Uh, let's see, Multiverses. Oh my gosh, the biggest one. That's out right now on just about every console. I play uh, Gizmo and Stripe from the Gremlins movies. Gizmo, <laughs> And his nemesis, Stripe, Dismal Kaka, <laughs> and Uncle Shagworthy, who is a uh, character that was in one episode of Scooby-Doo back in the 70s. He's uh, Shaggy's rich zillionaire uncle. And like Uncle Shagworthy sounds like this. <laughs> so that's what we've got on the on the agenda right now. And of course, lots of stuff I just can't talk about. Fair enough. Winning an Emmy, I assume, just opens a lot of doors that never were open before. Is that true? Uh, I, I think it's still too early in the process for me to acknowledge that, but I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that's possible. I hope Fair so. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, as we enter the final phase of the interview, I'd like to ask one fun question. That is, when you aren't working... Oh, good, because none of these questions have been fun. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> when you aren't working, what do you like to do to relax, unwind? Are there any shows you're into? 
Oh, yeah. I just finished The White Lotus uh, season two. I loved Wednesday on Netflix. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm waiting for the next thing that I that I'm you know going to get into. Um, but, yeah, I'll watch some TV. I, I am a sucker for things like Hell's Kitchen, you know, Kitchen Nightmares, Gordon Ramsay stuff. Those are always fun. Um, but I like to uh, be quiet. I like to go to uh, I go to an infrared sauna once a week just to, you know, have a good sweat uh, by myself. That's really good, invigorating. Uh, I spend time meditating. I have a bird named Buddy who I spend <laughs> a good amount of time with. He's got his own Instagram page, too, which is pretty awesome. But he's a real sweetheart. So, yeah, that's kind of what I do these days. A lot of work. <laughs> Fair enough. You mentioned his Instagram. Uh, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online. Oh, thank you very much. I have made it so simple for all of you. I am actor Daniel Ross across social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Oh man, you should follow me on TikTok. I've got 1.3 million followers. Uh, we go behind the scenes of voice acting life. Uh, we go uh, uh, have fun with fans with Donald Duck. Uh, you get a little bit of uh, an authentic side of me. I'll make you laugh. I'll make you cry. You should stop on by. Yeah. Actor Daniel Ross. Awesome. All right, Daniel. I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would want to say to the people of Earth? Oh, man. If it was the last broadcast? Uh, oh, man. Well, if it was the last broadcast, I would probably, I'd probably be very alarmed. I'd be alarmed at the situation that this is the last broadcast. I probably would be completely incoherent and blubbering about something, I don't know, related to my ego. I I don't know what I would say in that moment. I would just say, be kind to one another. Fair enough. Daniel, congratulations <laughs> on your success. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Honestly, this has been... I've been looking forward to this for, a, for about a good week or two now, and you've surpassed every expectation I had. So, congratulations. Well, thank you very again. much. Or I should say, love it. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 127. I want to thank Daniel for taking the time to come on the show. As I said, Daniel was an incredible man to chat with, and it is my desired wish that he returns down the road to speak with us again. Tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go hit that subscribe button to stay up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there with everything with our logo on it, including magnet stickers and mugs. I recently went back through the Tee Public archive and I added over 30 new t-shirts on there. So if you ever want to own a t-shirt that I, Derek Duvall, myself possess, that shirt being Beavis and Butthead sitting next to Wayne and Garth, then go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, go to the banner on the left that says merch, click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tee Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself, the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, please make a donation to the Turkey Disaster Relief through Plan International, and we will put a link on our social media pages for you to do so. No star, God bless, and see you next time. 
Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.